0: The sharp has such teeth And it shows them. Pearly away.
1: Just a jack. Welcome everybody to another episode of Absolutely. Macklin's Take with me, Andy Clark and Matt Macklin. Hope everybody is well. And the first question I need to ask is: how are you, Macklin? Because you were missing from the from the sky show last weekend with with tonsillitis. How are things? What's the medical update?
0: Severe case of tonsillitis. I thought I had quinsy, which, you know, i had quinsy. I could end up choking, but uh, no, just just a bad dose of tonsillitis and uh, I'm brand new now.
1: Excellent, excellent. You were missed at the weekend. You were missed. <laughs> Barry Jones filled your seat. Great company, Barry, though. So um, it was always good to see him. Um, always great to see him. And it was a good night, actually. It was a good night. We might get onto that a little bit later on. But the reason that we are convening today with the guests that we've got on today is because since he was last on and it wasn't that long ago this is the quickest turnaround we've ever had in terms of having a repeat guest but since he was last on he has won a world title now last time we spoke we had a really interesting conversation about how he's strategized his career how he's guided his career his thought processes inside the ring outside the ring it was it was great stuff and we got a lot of, of really really good feedback from from a lot of people um in and around boxing uh, off the back of that pretty much straight after that uh, and we talked there about how you know he was on the brink of a world title when that might happen for him and pretty much straight away he got that world title shot a couple of weeks ago and it was a tall order because he was in with a fighter who hadn't lost since 2008 and that was against Anito who was a very long reigning IBF flyweight champion of the world. And for that reason, rightly ranked as the number one flyweight in the world by pretty much everybody, as well as as Ring magazine. He'd been all over defending his title. The the previous couple of times in Japan, China, Malaysia, wins against the likes of Zolani Tete, John Rio Casamero, to name just a couple from a little bit further back in the day. And it was seen as a very, very tough job because it was one. But he got it done. He got it done. And since he's last been on, he's also made his punditry debut uh, at BT and become a dad again. Now, we're not claiming responsibility for all of those things. you know. We're not claiming credit for all of those things. But I do like to kind of think of him now as being, I should have prepared some kind of belt. He's got the real belt with him, but I should have prepared some kind of Macklin's take belt because this is the first time that we've had someone on who, since we've spoken to him, has gone on to become a world champion. It's just great. Andy let's, not,
0: Andy, let's not play ourselves down here. We definitely played a small part in elevating <laughs> to get him in that world title shot. We gave him the platform. It's yeah, his truth.
1: <laughs> it's Sonny Edwards. It's Sonny Edwards. That was one of the longest intros I've probably ever done, but it was warranted. Sonny, how are you? Uh, two weeks ago, now, um, how are things? You're you're back in the gym. You've been training this morning.
2: Honestly, I'm blown away by the introduction. I mean, <clears throat> I guess when you put it like that. <laughs> I've had a good, I've had a good few months. You know what I mean when you put it like that. Um, but no, yeah, everything's really good. I mean, I'm enjoying being a world champion. It's, it's, obviously, I've reached where I've been aiming for for such a long time. You know, it's the sort of the the goal that everyone sets out to do, and I finally achieved that. And I mean, don't get me wrong, though, if this is the moment that I'm really thinking now, I've got a massive target on my back, and now's the hard work starts like really the hard work starts and that's why I've already been back in the gym it's not my first session I've been back as well last week um, I come through pretty much injury free so now I'm just really excited to see what's out there because I've been waiting to get to world level for so long and, and be able to be involved in these big fights and now it's like seeing my name pop up in the top 10 UK pound for pound list on Twitter and stuff like that it's it's quite gratifying I'm 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 appreciating it the the little bit of love that I'm getting now and um i just want to see where I can take it i mean i think i've got quite a few eyes on the the flyweight division for how i've been operating how i've been performing and now the big fights just need to happen that's why i've been calling the names that have been
1: so we'll 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 discuss that absolutely but we do need to let, let's take a let's take a deep dive into the into the fight itself so when did you get the call, and how did the call come? I, I always, always really want to know this because you, you hear about people are kind of pushing a trolley around the supermarket, then their manager calls. Did Frank call you? Did did MTK? Did Grant? Was it in the gym? What what happened?
2: Do you know what it was. Um, it was rumored and
1: whispered about for a little
2: bit. To be honest, um, I found out 13 weeks before the fight happened. So even though I only got announced at about seven weeks, I had a good long run up. So did my opponent. And um, previously to getting the Maruti fight, I'd accepted um, a couple of good level hard fights. Um, I don't know if I'm really at liberty to, to to say the opponents, but I mentioned one of them, Mohammed Wasim, I got offered, and I said yes, and then he said no. Um, so I was already looking at now. This is a big fight time now to make a statement. And then my management team got on me, and they offered me the date, and said that the the opponent could be could be Maruti. They could get him over. On a, on a on a Frank show in London, and I just grabbed it in both hands. I mean, from that moment, I got straight onto my trainer. We started planning the camp, and I was well. I was already in training, which luckily I'd I'd already been taken over at this point. My weight wasn't ridiculous, and I think I'd already started sparring. I'd done a few spars, you know. Um, so I was I was in a good place, and you know, when I got the call, it was just sent it to the to the few people I could get away with telling them about it, getting everywhere, but. Yeah, it's like my, my, my team, my family were excited for me and then the hard work started and I just sort of knuckled down then and then all the way through camp, I just put my head down and no one really saw me.
1: Matt, this is, one of, this is a great example of, and we talk about this a lot, of everybody kind of playing their part there. Obviously, the fighters got to do the business on the night, which he did, and we'll get to that, but getting the fight, that's the struggle a lot of the time. And Frank Warren's been at this a long time and and other people working around the scenes to get someone like Muntalani over to the UK was always going to be possible because he's basically defended his titles on the road. But it's a very, very hard fight, a very hard fight. But seasoned observers, obviously, looked at what Sonny had done and where he was in his career and thought, okay, this is tough, but it's doable. It's doable if he's absolutely at his best. And they were right.
0: No, it, 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 absolutely. Everything you said, and, 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 and it's it shows the importance of living the life, you know, living the life 12 months of the year. It doesn't mean you have to be training like a lunatic every single day of that 12 months, but you've got to live the life. You know, if, if Sonny wasn't staying ready in the gym with his weight at a manageable level, he wouldn't have been able to take that opportunity at short notice and he'd missed his chance. Now he's world champion. He's on cloud nine. Do you know what I mean? But and, and, and also, I've got to say this, I, I just want to congratulate Sonny because I didn't. we had that media blackout thing on Sky the Weekend that you uh, wanted. Yeah. So I could tweet or anything, but I thought it was an unbelievable performance, absolutely first class to go out there and to execute the game plan and to box to your strengths. Obviously, Sonny's not a massive puncher, but I tell you, there aren't many people in any weight division. That can move and change angles and bucks and stick to it and stay concentration for 12 rounds, like he did against an opponent like that. It was a first class hit and don't get hit. Boxing display. He kept him turning, kept him moving, kept offsetting him, mixed it up. You, you could he was like a bar of soap. You couldn't catch him. He was gone. It was it was fantastic and uh least the fact he was on a few weeks before talking about things and then he got that opportunity he was it was uh, you know I felt really proud of him really happy watching it on, on the city so it was really kind of rooting him on from my uh, ouch
1: <laughs> so what was it like in the in the as the fight gets closer I'm always interested by this because this is something you've wanted for a really really long time then you get the date but it's still quite far away and and you're concentrating on your short term goals of of doing what you need to do in training every day, making sure all those boxes get ticked so that when you arrive at the week, you're as relaxed as you can be because you know, you've done everything, but you can't be that relaxed because every day it gets closer. Every every day it's, it's closer to, as your nickname says, showtime when you're <laughs> going to have to deliver. <clears throat> I mean, it's, you know, how's that countdown? Do you know what?
2: I don't really think about fighting that like all too much. And, do you know, I've realised that boxing's been getting harder and your op- opponents have been getting harder when I'm getting the opponent and I'm not watching too much of them. You know, before I used to study the fights for a little bit. and But now I think if I watch too much of Maruti's career, I probably wouldn't have wanted to jump in the ring with him. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's a good fighter. His highlights are him pretty much knocking everyone out. So I just take all the steps. I've got all my sparring. My sparring partners are scary enough that I've got to deal with... Um, Loads of rounds before I get in there, so I just take each training week as it comes. And I've been doing this boxing for 17 years now, so I'm sort of used to the whole. I've been there, seen it, and done it for quite a lot of things now. So even when I had the biggest fight of my life, and the stage was biggest, and the, the the stakes were biggest, a lot of people complimented and and commented on how calm and relaxed I seemed. You know, all through the build up, all through the media work, I was. Accessible to all the media, weren't sort of like just caved in. um But I just think it's because I know what level I, I deserve to be at, you know, with how I've been operating in in my eyes. So because I had that confidence, I didn't really have too much doubt in my mind that I didn't belong at this level. And I just took every stage that come. I think the main thing was the making weight. I, I never think about the fight until I've got off the scales and made weight. Everything before that is just making weight. Do you know what I mean? From Fighting weeks out, that's sort of like the next step, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I just enjoyed the whole, the whole show, the whole build up, everything. It was, it was great.
1: Did it help that you know him, you knew him, you you sparred him, you'd spoken to him, and and you liked him, you liked each other? Because you're 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 totally fine to have a row on Twitter if that's what it takes. <laughs> and and with, with some opponents in the future, that might work well for you. Able to get under their skin, but you knew with this one that he wasn't going to try and get under your skin. You weren't going to try and get under his. It was going to be straightforward in that regard. There were going to be no kind of distractions because there would there would have been no point in you trying to rile him up and you knew it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I never really start that whole back and forth before because I'm I'm I like to think I'm a gentleman in sport. I like um I've got a lot of sportsmanship. I like things being fair. Um so I don't like starting it, but if they want to, I'm, I'm more than than happy to get involved in it. But I never sparred Maruti. It. Um, it got sort of circled around that we'd sparred, but we never sparred, but was there sparring the same opponent, if that makes ah, sense. Okay. Um, I wasn't trying to do any more work than I was getting paid for. I was a paid sparring partner. I was trying to do the minimum rounds as possible. Um, and because I always look at my opponents as future opponents, I feel like if they ask me to spar, the sort of man pride in me I would never back down we're doing as much rounds as they want do you know what I mean I'm going until they're getting out but I'm not in a rush to let people sort of get used to my awkwardness if if that makes sense because my style is really hard to sort of learn and suss out in in one 12 round fight that's how I built it so it it sort of beats most styles put in front of me but I'm never in a rush to sort of give people that sort of learning experience to get used to a few of my tricks. So I never sparred him. But yeah, I did have a lot of time for him and I still do. He's a great, great fighter. He was a great champion for a long, long period of time. Heavily avoided. Boxing's probably done him no favours. So there's nothing for me personally not to not like and admire. So that's why it was respect all the way through and it was respect after. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's sport and it's a business. So obviously... I wanted to win I wanted to push forward but mother being my friend it is when we get in there it's a business at the end of the day so you have to just leave that outside Hey hey, ki- hey kids Hey everybody sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher how are you doing sir
0: I am uh, in health thank you Are you uh, excited about something I am excited about this latest uh, CIA funded venture a CIA venture. Yes, it's called the Desire and Capital podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to the Desire and Capital podcast, coming soon to a bourgeois platform
2: near you. On your marks, get set, go! <laughs>
1: let's just fast forward to the, to, to the day of the fight. Then I'm always quite interested to know what fighters do to kill time during that, during that day, post weighing really, because you, you make the weight. And as you say, that's, that's a relief. I mean, you pretty much know whether you're going to, or whether you're not going to, although you're always wondering whether their scales will be the same as your scales. That's, that's a thing that can, that can happen. Um, But what, so you get off the scales, you do some interviews and then, What happens after, after that, because it's quite a long time. That's a real stretch. You've got about 30 hours there. You'll hope to get a good night's sleep, but how do you, how do you pass it without going out of your mind?
2: Um, If I'm honest, it's, it's, it sounds a bit mad, but it is kind of just like any other day to me because I'm going through these emotions all the time, every day when I'm training, um, obviously the stakes were a lot higher, but once I've weighed in, I've got my food. I think I went back to my hotel room after I did an interview and I just ordered Uber Eats three times that, that, that day. And I stayed in bed all day. What did you
1: have? What did you have?
2: Um, I had a Turkish, like a grilled chicken and rice the first time, um, the first meal with a few other things. And then I had, um, what was it? It was like a, a pasta pot with chicken again. But it was very pasta-based, and then at night, I had um I had some ice cream, like a dessert, and then, yeah, that, that was all that day, but yeah, so I'm just, I mean, when I'm in camp, I, I can't stress this enough, I'll get up, I always want to train early in the morning, get all my sessions done as soon as I can, the earliest slots, then I come home, I sort my dogs out, and then I just sort of exist, do you know what I mean, I don't really do anything else, I'm relaxing, I'm I'm not one that has to be out. So when I come back from the weigh in, it's just sort of now I'm in chill out mode now until tomorrow night time. Do you know what I mean, so I can just chill out, to be honest. I had a, a very good night's sleep. um Went for a little walk in the morning just to get some fresh air. And then I slept pretty much all day. I had my traditional, I, every time I go to the venue, I always have um like a warm bath. And everyone thinks I'm crazy in boxing. They always look at me and think, you're crazy. Do you know what I mean? I always um have a nice warm bath, about 20 minutes, soak in it. Don't put no deodorant on because I don't want to smell nice for my opponent. And then uh, head over to the head over to the arena. I mean, I do the same thing every single time. It never changes.
1: Matt, how did, Matt, how did you find that 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 yeah, that fine very, very final countdown? Uh it's different at the minute, obviously, because we're under restrictions and COVID and all the rest of it, and we we all know about that. But um yeah, how did you? How did you? How did you negotiate that? Navigate that? I mean, it is each to their own, I suppose. But um, it's always just kind of fascinated me. How do you? It's right on you now, and how? How the fuck do you relax
0: in those circumstances? Well, I mean, pretty similar, really, to what Sonny said there. Because it is right on you, and you. It's all you've thought about for the last however many weeks. But at the same time, because it's all you've thought about for the last so many weeks, it's all done you know all the work's done everything's done there's nothing more can change now and actually at this point you're hungry and you're thirsty then you're in, so then <laughs> you, you, you're fueling up you're carving back up you're rehydrating you know and, and, and before you know it, 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 it it's time to get to sleep really but you know when, once I weighed in I didn't really think about the fight then until uh until I was going to the you know when I say I didn't think about the fight I'd have a minute here and there on the day of the fight course, you know, 30 seconds, a little blast, you might get a few butterflies. And then I switch up and you talk about other stuff and same thing, go for a walk, get a bit of fresh, fresh air. But really it's just about relaxing and chilling and just not even thinking about the fight because you've got plenty of time to think about the fight. It's all you've thought about for the last however many weeks. So I think the more energy you can conserve by switching off and relaxing, the better. You don't want to be sitting there dwelling on the fight going through it too much because you're going to burn too much nervous energy. You know, you're going gonna to be burning enough nervous energy when it's it time to switch on. So it's very much, I, I think most fighters, um, professional fighters, certainly one the successful ones, they're, they're, they're good at switching on and switching off. And I, I don't know about Sonny, but I found that, you know, once I started to get my hands wrapped, I'd switch on a little bit, but then I'd switch on even more once I started getting gloved up. Do you know what yeah, I mean? is when you I'd start
2: punching pads. feeling it so once you start hitting the pads and then because there's been some fights that you're you're not feeling as sharp as you normally do on the pads but for this one I felt razor sharp I knew I was getting in there and I was
1: flying I I felt it straight away so what do you remember about the what are the kind of standout memories of, of the night itself of the actual fight because sometimes athletes don't remember that much. I was watching a documentary last night about the 1985 World Snooker Black Ball Final between Steve Davis and Dennis Taylor. And and Steve Davis said, I don't really remember anything about the final session. I was just, I was just gone. I was so wrapped up in concentration and mental exhaustion that I can't, you know, I just don't really remember it. And, and fighters quite often say they don't remember much about fights, generally because it's been a hard fight and they've, and they've taken a few, taken a few blows. But how was it for you? Do you remember it second by second, or or, or not?
2: Do you know? What? I probably remember in glimpses pretty much all of it. Do you know what I mean? I I I, I remember a few things quite like particularly, um, you know, from like the. I remember in the changing room we got there. and This is the first time ever it's ever happened to me. Grant didn't have his speaker because it broke on the last show and Grant always brings his speaker and I always blast the changing rooms and everyone gets fuming, do you know what I mean? Um, and this is the first time I haven't been able to do that. So I had music on my a- airpods, so it was all right. But I remember that and then...
0: Did that one settle was- you a bit, Sonny? Did you start to get superstitious and think, oh, shit, things aren't happening, that's a bad sign? Do you know what? I just
2: thought t- it's typical that out of all the nights this has ever happened, it's this one, yeah. And I was a bit half fuming to be honest. Not too bad, but I just looked at Grant like, you, "You should have known," do you know what I mean. And then, um, and then I had my music on my AirPods though. And then I realised that this was probably easier because I could have one ear out, one ear in, and it was fine. Do you know what I mean? So that that got sorted very quickly. And then the next thing I really remember is, do you know when you go off to walk just before you're about to do the tunnel, and you can see your opponent, mm. they can see each other somewhere, right? Okay.
0: You get a blast
2: of butterflies. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I just seen him like, you know, in the York Court, the back of the York Court, and doors are slightly open, right? Yeah? So just seeing him, and he looks massive compared to what he looked like yesterday. Yeah? And I just see his, his his image flashing through the little gap in the door. But the, all because it's COVID, all the trainers, everyone had to go to the ring. So there's just me and him, and then like someone whipping about doing the the time thing, right? We've been there for a couple of minutes, and then they say, oh, Sonny, you go in there. And then I'm stood there for another five, seven minutes. Like, it got delayed, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, even the guy on the thing was going, no, you're taking a piss now. This is a massive (laughs) fight. They just stood here five minutes. And I was just standing there, and I was very relaxed. But I just thought everything was just sort of like, just like sticking out, you know, little things. And that was one, because he was just going past, and he looked massive. And when I got in there, he looked big.
1: You know I mean, but one what, thing. What? Sorry, what were you thinking about in that five, six minutes? Can you remember? that you see? These are the kinds of things that someone like me really wants to know. Whereas you lads to actually do it, you might not really have been thinking about anything. But if this was a film, you see, what would happen is that you would be, you would be stuck in that kind of dark, dimly lit corridor, secluded by yourself, and you would have thought through all your childhood memories from your very first with dreams with a bit of Right up until <laughs> the present day with a kind of with a couple of rocky montages in there as well and all of that. When when the film gets made, that's what that's what's happening. Um as we picture Sonny Edwards silhouetted against the backdrop of his <laughs> imminent world title ring walk. Or were you just standing there thinking, fucking hell, this is annoying? Do,
2: do you know what? Yeah. I'm laughing so much because of what's in my head. If, if I'm completely honest, yeah, and you're gonna think I sound crazy, I'm probably very disrespectful. Yeah. Do you know what's going through my head every time I'm seeing him? I'm going in my head. I'm literally saying to myself, I'm gonna punch your head all over the place. I'm saying to him in my head, I'm saying, you are not gonna hit me, you're gonna be shadow boxing all night. Like and that I know it sounds mad, but that's like what I'm saying to myself in my head. Like that, that's like, what happened. I'm saying it out loud, but I'm not saying it out loud, I'm saying it <laughs> in my head, but a very confident version of myself. And it's crackers, but that's honestly what goes through my head. It's it's mad. That's when I get really competitive when I'm cussing them in my head. Even though I respect him, it wouldn't leave my head. What that is, do you know what I mean? It's, it's it's crazy. That's, I think, that's me speaking to my inner self. I think that is,
0: you know, you know, obviously, you, I mean, listen, you had a, the game plan was obvious hit and don't get hit. Like you say, he was shadow boxing all night long, running after you, trying to catch you. But at, was there a point midway, maybe, where you're thinking, fucking hell, this is almost going too good? Is he gonna have his moments? Am I gonna tire? Were you feeling the pace with the legs getting heavy or not really? Um.
2: So one thing that I had in my head, I never really said it to Graham because I feel like it's a mad plan to go in with, but in my head, it was get six rounds up, win the first six rounds, no matter how you do it, win the first six rounds, then we'll go from there. Do you know what I mean? And that really was my plan because I genuinely thought, I thought I had the beating of him. I always said that and I genuinely did, but I thought if I go out there and dominate the first six, then... I'll know that he can't take the fight away from me because of what I can do, how I can be elusive, how I can go missing. So that was my plan. But after the sixth round, Grant sort of, I'd been throwing a couple of like twos and threes and fours where normally I'm quite a single pop shot. I'd been probably fine putting together more punches. And then Grant went, you're feeling the pace. And I was just sort of getting sort of into the fight. And then I thought it was probably around eight or nine, really. You know, just where I was at with my body. And he was like, six rounds left. And then that sort of made me think a bit, OK, then let me pace it a little bit. But I weren't tired, but I just knew that he was dangerous throughout. And then I think when he started really picking up the pace like in the ninth round, my legs were getting a bit tired, moving a bit. But every time I needed a sort of kick up the backside, my legs had it, my body had it in abundance. And I mean, I was never really in pain. I was never really in trouble. I was never really under too much stress. But do you know Matt can probably allude to this there's sometimes you feel like oh god I'm a bit tired but then straight away you're not you know what I mean you just spins back around and you your body's still moving I had the rounds in in abundance I could have carried on for rounds more than that I wasn't physically exhausted by the end um but yeah the game plan was we told everyone the game plan we told their team the game plan at the, the press conference I was very open with what I'm gonna do and that's probably because I'm just, I feel like I'm, I like being quite real. <laughs> I wasn't going to try and sell people that I was going to sit there and have a tear up with him or, you know what I mean? But what I do is very hard to, to count. It. It's very hard to train for or prepare for.
0: Hey, everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style
1: that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. The pacing of it was was a real key thing, wasn't it? Because, like you said, everybody everybody knew, and I love those fights where you've got you've got a matador and a bull, basically, and that's how it goes. And can the bull track the matador down in the second half or not? Um, it makes for some amazing finishes sometimes. But I think it was after. It might it might even have been the first round, and I don't know whether you remember anything about what what Grant said in in between rounds. But it might have been after the first round, maybe the second where he just said, to you "You don't need to win these rounds big. And yeah. I just thought that's great advice because what, what he's going to be hoping, and Talane, is that, all right, he's going to be down at halfway. But so long as they've taken something out of your tank, they come at a cost, then he's going to rate himself to get back into it in the second half. But Grant was always on you like that, just saying, look, you don't need to go crazy. We're winning the rounds. Just, you know, this is a 12-round fight.
2: Yeah, because in my head, and Grant knows this, I always think rounds are a lot closer than they are. If they've hit me with like one or two solid, clean shots, I kind of think the round's lost from there, do you know what I mean? Because that's just in my mindset. I have like such a high standard of what what I expect of myself that if I'm getting caught three, four, five times, I've automatically thought I've lost a round. Do you know what I mean? So I was coming out because I wanted those six rounds so convincingly, because I wanted them to be cemented. I was throwing probably way too much and letting my hands go more and standing there a little bit more than I needed to. And Grant was just very good at sort of pulling me back off that. And he's always, he knows when I'm doing a little bit too much or exerting a bit too much energy because he knows me inside out. He knows, he'll see when I'm getting tired way before anyone else will. Or he'll see what's working or not working way before anyone else will. Because, you know, we've been together nearly eight years now. Um... He's the first coach I've ever been with this for this long period of time, even though I've boxed for 17 years. And <clears throat> we spent so much time, you know, together studying and, and honing my skill set to to work at world level because, like everyone always doubted it too, we had to prove that to ourselves before we could really go out there and, do you know what I mean? Like, we understand the, the, the critics. So he was very good in the corner that night, I think, all night, and when I watched it back on BT, I really appreciated it. Obviously, whilst I was living in the moment, I'm not. Do you know, what I mean, I'm I'm absorbing what I'm absorbing in between my breaths and thinking about what round it is and how long I've got left. Do you know, what I mean, it's that's what goes in the, going in the head. There's a hundred things that goes in the head when you're in your corner. But yeah, like like you on, I thought it was spot on on fight night.
1: Uh, Matt, that's. You know, that's what you need, isn't it? We we were trying to see if we could convince him to come on, uh come on as as well as Sonny for this grant, but he's he's not one for the limelight. Although I did see him do an interview with Boxing Social oh, in the bubble last week.
2: No, don't even get me started on this. Don't this is a sour topic right now between me and Grant.
1: <laughs> and he did a post fight interview with Andy Scott. So don't think yeah. we don't know, Grant Smith, don't think we don't notice these things, me and Macklin. We no. know, we notice. No. we will wrangle you on this podcast one day, whether you like it or not.
2: Yeah, do you know what I was? Do you know how many people? Yeah, there's been a few people that have asked me they wanted some time with Grant, and because he's so against it, like the build up to my fight, the cameras, and he just doesn't like it. Then all of a sudden, I see him on in on, <laughs> and I was going on. And Rob Tebbutt, you know, had a little friendly wager on whether he could back Grant
1: into a corner, and clearly he did so. He probably literally did that, Tebbett. He probably yeah, literally but, backed him in physically into a corner.
2: Yeah. So, um. Yeah, that that explains that one. But yeah, he's he's just he's naturally not one for the limelight. I think he isn't driven by ego, and I think he sees that as a lot of people's downfall in this sport. And do you know what I mean? So he, I think he's just trying to stay away from that side of things and not get invested in you in know all the sort of back and forth building fights. And he doesn't really ever want to touch and breach that line. So I think by staying out of interviews is the best way to do that. Do you know what I mean?
1: No, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. We're just messing about, you know. We would love to have him on one day, but but I've got lots of time for the way he goes about it. It's um, there's just a lot to be said for it. I like I like that style. But but Matt, with with regard to the, the corner work itself, watching that fight on the TV, it looked easy to score. Richie Woodall, who was scoring it for BT, I think found it easy to score. But when you're peering up through the ropes and you're in the corner and you're so invested, things can look different. But he was very clear in his own mind, wasn't he? No, I'm reading this fight right. We are ahead. This is going according to plan. You don't need to panic. You won that round. Heading into the final round, suddenly he says to him, he needs a knockout, doesn't he? He needs a knockout because, like he just said, as fighters, you're never sure. And two, three rounds out, he was saying that, Grant. He said, you are six minutes away from being champion of the world. You are three minutes away from being champion of the world. He was, he was so clear in his instruction and in where the fight was. And me, you and Andy Lee had a long chat about the role of the trainer in between rounds the other week. And 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 he kind of, I mean, he gave a bit of a, Sonny gave a masterclass in the three minutes when the fight was on. And, and he did the same in the minute between
0: rounds, I thought. Yeah, look, the, the minute between rounds, you've got to come back. You want to get your breathing down get your drink. You know, there's no point being bombarded with a load of things. Sometimes fights, you know, a cornerman may have to give some very clear um, advice and it might be against what you initially thought would happen because the game plan hasn't gone to plan. So you maybe have to change things and it might be out quite, you know, strong words. But in a fight like that with Sonny, the game plan was working. He was boxing to instructions. They obviously had this game plan. Hit, don't get hit, keep him moving, frustrate him, pick him off. You know, and it was working. He was he was executing the game plan to an absolute T. He was boxing brilliantly. So then your only concern, I I imagine, as a coach, Grant, is I don't want him to win the rounds too big and use unnecessary energy when he's winning the rounds anyway. So it was his point, it was it was his job then to kind of keep the reins on sunny a little bit in order to win the rounds, do enough. But also conserve energy because this is a twelve-round fight, and he's a good fighter. He is going to come on strong at some point in this fight. He's going to have to because he's so far behind on the cards. And I don't want you blowing a gasket, being ten rounds up, and then getting caught up in the eleventh and twelfth. What was the point? So, I thought you know, Grant didn't bombard him with instructions. He just just kept just kept reminding him of the game plan, and just kept him kept the reins on him, I suppose, a little bit, keeping him boxing at the right pace. Which might sound very simple and basic, but you know, you, you can get ahead of yourself. You can get excited you, or you can get nervous and think maybe the rounds are closer than they are and you overexert yourself, which then you're going to pay the price down the line. So no, it was, it wasn't, there weren't complicated tactics. It was, it was pretty clear and basic and, and simple. What was going to happen? You've got the, the, like you say, the ball and the matador, but it was just from Grant's point of view, he was just trying to make sure and manage and, 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 and advise Sonny threw the fight, but he was boxing to a T. He was boxing to instructions, and and I didn't think he put a foot wrong. I thought he boxed absolutely brilliant, and and Grant was just just kept him on that track.
1: Okay, so the final bell goes, and you've got to be very, very confident that you've won. But you have still got those those few minutes while they're while they're collating the scores. I mean, could you enjoy that? that few minutes, thinking to yourself, I'm about to be announced as the IBF flyweight champion of the world. That is happening, or, or was, is there still just this slight doubt? Because when they announced the scores, I, I remember thinking to myself, I watched it back this morning, what you definitely wouldn't have needed would have been for Thomas, Thomas Triber to have given the 115-113 first, because then you might have thought, oh, hang on. But as soon as he said 118-111, you'd have thought, All right, okay, fine. Yeah, of course I've won, and now I know that it's I'm going to get it. Um, I think as soon as the bell goes,
2: because I was I was I was confident anyway. To be honest, like I said in the, in the corner, if going out to the top, he needs a knockout. I knew I'd done enough that he whatever I had to do, I had to go down some which way, and, and it didn't happen. So as soon as the bell went, I was very confident. But the thing that gives you that extra added of confidence, you know, when you look around at everyone's faces that you've seen a couple of times, as you're getting in the ring, you see all the faces and you and you remember where they are. Well, I do anyway. So. Mm. And then you hear them all fight and then the end of the fight and you look up and their reaction usually says a lot very, very quickly. Do you know what I mean? Do you know when everyone's smiling, nodding yes and you look over to Frank and it's big smiles, thumbs up and that gives you probably more confidence because then everyone else is seeing it the way that you're seeing. I mean, if the final bell goes and you look and everyone's looking away from you, do you know what I mean? Like pretending they're trying to get eye contact then. That's when you know it, it, it's it's not looking your way. But I enjoy I enjoyed that 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 um, you know the, the couple of minutes before. And as soon as I see the belt get put on the I see the belt get put on the canvas, and they called us over. I just pointed there when that's my belt. That, that's my belt. And then the scores came, and I think you see you see the I start sort of banging my my knuckles like on my head for like a couple of seconds I think that was me getting out all my excitement you know like some people jump up jump on the corners and that was my version of that so getting out my my excitement and then acting cool for it as if as if I'd been there my whole life do you know what I mean
0: you make a good point though Andy when you said if the 115 113 had come out first you could start to shit yourself because But then when you hear one twenty away, there's no way that could be for anyone other than Sonny. And maybe that was a little bit too generous, but I think 118, 111, it was definitely 115, 113. I don't know how you could have had it that close. I thought Sonny absolutely pissed it. Do you know what I mean? But it, it's funny because I was thinking then when you said about the 115, 113 put you at ease, because when I fought Felix Sturm in Germany, when the bell went, I thought I pissed it. You know, when we we're going out for the last round, I thought all I've got to do is stay on my feet. But then when they gave the decision, and everyone, when I went the- when the bell went, like you said, Sunny, everyone just smiling and jumping around <laughs> celebrating. But when I heard- when it took ages for the decision to come, you started to get a bit oh. nervous. And then when I heard split decision, I shook myself and thought they're gonna fucking rub me here, and they did. But yeah, I think if you'd have heard 115, 113 <laughs> first, you might have started to panic. Yeah,
2: definitely, because that's just a close scorecard to anyone, it it's a close fight. You know what
0: I mean. Any closer, it's a draw, but that was a shocker. That, I mean, you pissed it. It wasn't, it weren't a close fight in any way. I don't think anyone could have said it was a close fight.
2: You know, in the, on the night, in the ring, and I think this is more because I knew I went seven rounds up. I got out of the ring thinking about seven, five, eight, four. When I watched it back, I think I had it 10-2. Yeah.
1: 10-2.
2: Yeah, but that, when I watched it back, that's how I scored it. But in on the night, I think because some of the rounds, he made me work so hard they were lost rounds in my eyes Because any sort of close rounds i always give against me because then going through the fight i can help score it because i don't i don't have this sort of you know like obsession with having the 120 108. so i don't mind winning the 115 113 if that's how i've got to win winning's winning do you know what i mean um, mm. so when i got think my seven up and then the last five rounds were close. I think just because I knew I could give them away. I didn't mind just yet I lost that one. I lost that. Do you know what I mean? It was but watching it back, I think I I probably won a lot better than I thought I did. Mm-hmm. I thought like, it was a lot closer in there because of how hard it, like, it was it was a hard fight. Do you know what I mean? I was mentally switched on the whole time. You, you can you know when a fight's easy, when you're half paying attention and you can just throw when you want. And that was not that, do you know what I mean? Even though some people say, Oh, you made it look easy at times in there it was anything but yeah
0: no you did make it look easy but i know what you're saying you, you, you never switched off for a second so you were to and that concentration factor that that drains the battery doesn't it you know it's not just the movement and what you put you know the the mileage that you're covering in the ring it's it's the concentration factor that can sap your energy
2: yeah definitely and i think that's one thing that i i succeed with to be honest i think with my iq and the way i box i need to be able to stay switched on for so long and like I tried saying before, that's probably why I had the the few fights, performances where I didn't see my best or a bit off because I was going in there without that sort of level of threat. So I was half switching off. I mean, I think fighters, they they all try and say that they never do it. But every fight is guilty of it at some point, even if it's sparring, being in the ring with someone that they think they're better than, they look down at them. It, it is human nature when you're having a fight, do you know what I mean, to naturally assume you're better than someone. So and then it's them spars that they're catching you twice as much as the world champion you sparred last week. Do you know what I mean? It's because you take your eye off the ball that split second. So when I'm fully switched on, I mean, my eyes were probably like wide open. Most of the fight locked into him. I wasn't mind off. I wasn't switching off because I knew that I, I couldn't afford to because of the level I was fighting at.
1: So what? what how were your, this might sound like a an odd question, but um, how were your feet after that? Because... Most people listening to this will know what boxing boots are like and what boxing rings are like, but boxing boots have got really thin soles so you can feel your feet and feel your toes in the canvas as much as possible. And nowadays, a, a ring canvas is pretty standard in that there is some give in it, but it's it's fairly solid and there was a lot of pivoting and pirouetting going on there. I mean,
0: that's a funny is- one, actually. it's a funny one, actually, Sonny. But I'm just going to add to what Andy said. Jason Cunningham said, didn't he, on Saturday night, apart yeah. <laughs> from having blisters, because the amount of moving and twisting and turning and pivoting, you, 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 you want at least two pairs of socks on. <laughs> you know, but, but, um,
2: only on my left foot, funny enough, my right foot was pretty much okay, I had like a bit of skin that looked like it, was, it wasn't It was as good as it was before, but on my left leg I had two sort of big black blood blisters on my big toe was covered and the ball in my foot was covered but they haven't really hurt though like I've gone straight back into training they haven't hurt since the fight so I think I think they're all right to be honest a little bit of blood in the sock when I was training but they've been fine but um, I think my body's used to it by now because pretty much I'll be all right all the way through sparring I won't get no blisters all the way through training I won't get blisters but every time I fight my feet just fall apart. But I think that's probably because I'm moving that little bit faster, that little bit more than I would ever do in training. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and that left foot, that's your lead foot as well. And that's, that's the key one, isn't it? For, you know, pivoting around that that front foot. Um, you, it, put,
0: you, need, you need to put some Vaseline on your feet. And wear two too
2: I don't even know. I think I was more southpaw though in this fight, to be honest. I was switching. True. that. I don't know why it was more on, on, on my left foot,
0: but I, mean, I remember what, I was watching it, and I was mean, willing you won and everything, but I was also thinking to myself, "Fucking hell! I'd hate to fight someone with that style, <laughs> <laughs> who keeps moving and twisting. Oh, nightmare! You'll be a nightmare for people to fight."
1: So, what has life been like since then? Um, I, I hopefully you you were you really enjoyed the the rest of that night. You enjoyed the next few days because sometimes when when I speak to people about what what is the feeling of of winning it's not always what you expect sometimes people say to you well I was just relieved I didn't lose rather than being overjoyed that they'd actually won so how was that how was the feeling of having got to the top of the mountain staying there's another thing we'll, we'll get on to that in a second but you've got to give yourself a chance to just stand on that peak and have a look around and think "Fuck." I've done well, haven't I? Like, surely, surely you've got to allow yourself that. You, you know, the, the, the Roy, the Roy Keens of this world will say that you know they don't do that. This on, oh fuck off, Roy! You know, you've got to, you've got to give yourself that that opportunity. Surely.
2: Do you know what I think? Straight from the the venue, when we I packed our bags and went straight back to Sheffield. To be honest, so we travelled straight through the night, and with my um. My, my tour guy, uh, Reese at Stealth Connections, does all the... He travels the team up and down the country. Um, but we all come back that night. And then I had a half an hour drive at 5 o'clock in the morning to... Well, 20-minute drive to where I live. Then my, my car was left at the gym. And I just went straight to sleep. And when I woke up in the morning, it felt like I'd been run over by a bus, to be honest. So the first few four days, all I was doing was moaning to be honest. <laughs> all I was doing was moaning so I think after I've got over the aches and the pains it's 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 been more enjoyable but um do you know what if I'm perfectly honest I'm world champion I'm champion of the world IBF but there's there's still three other people out there that are in the same position as me thinking they're the best at flyweight and with the same level of claim to be honest so I feel like there's still a lot more work to do and I've really believed that and that's why I've been trying to sort of weasel my way into some big fight contention already and and I mean I just want to be the number one and obviously I beat the ring magazine number one and now I'm ring magazine number two so I've got to beat the ring magazine number one again um Cause I want to be the best. I want to. I want to be seen as everyone unanimously points at me and goes, "He's the man in the division." And until until I get to that, I can't enjoy it
0: too much. I know it's early days, Sonny, but has there been conversations with Frank yet about the next move, about possibly getting a unification fight next, or will it be a defense, a mandatory? What what what's what's the short term future for you look like?
2: You know, I'm still sort of waiting to find out. Um, had a few conversations with management and they're just sort of going to going away to sort of collect the information and deliver it to me all at once um and I'm not too sure I see that ibF put on um on the ratings they put me as champion they said that mandatory is due on january 2022 but I'm not sure how you know who, that who,
0: who's number one at the minute or is the um, mandatory already stipulated
2: but non-rated I think so i think um i think it's jason mama is the the filipino that was first in line to Maruti's fight because that fight never happened but i've not had no official confirmation of this so i'm i'm not 100 percent that's just me sort of reading the lines um but yeah um I, i'm now at the top of the tree and i want to fight everyone else and i want to fight Biggest names. I mean, ideally, I'd go straight for unifications, but I know they don't come around straight away. You have to wait for them and hold the belt for a bit and build up to the fight. So I'm gonna play my role. I'm gonna. I am going to got to keep winning. I gotta keep defending this, you know, beautiful red thing I've got next to me. And um, yeah, I've got. I gotta hold on to it now. I think. I remember someone said to me before, winning a world title was the easy part. It's keeping it. That's the hard part. Do you know what I mean? So I'm gonna see now how.
1: I'm going to see now how true that is. Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend Rip and I host five-star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee the show will always have great laughs, catch up on life's in relatable ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the one stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like Joey Chestnut, Vander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan, new guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts, one star recruits. What's really interesting too, though, is is with reference to our, our, our first conversation we had on, on the podcast is just how the world can change with with that one, obviously very big win, because you went into a lot of detail about how hard you'd had to work to get fights that you wanted to try and get the frustrations of not really being able to get them because people would look at you and just think high risk, low reward, difficult style you you know you were you were always kind of you know from birth a member of the who needs him club really but now now you've got the belt everybody needs him now everybody wants to fight him now i mean that must be kind of entertaining really in a way to think about that in the space of on the friday you're one thing on the monday the world is a very different one i saw you have a i saw you have a quite entertaining exchange with, with a fighter you mentioned Mohammed Wasim who who oh. as you said that fight looked like it was gonna happen and then and then he didn't want it. Um and now all of a sudden he does, strangely.
2: Yeah, I mean, well I'm from I called him boxing host Do you know what I mean? It's 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 <laughs> he didn't he didn't want to know. He said he he refused to fight point blank period. He had three or four months, I think it was four months to because this was like in December we got offered the fight. Um he had about four months to, before Ramadan started, and he said that he was getting married as well, I think, or there was a wedding. And I went, what, so you can't get a, a fight date booked in and a fight camp and fight within four months? for a bit. Like it's, It just didn't really make sense to me. It's more like he just didn't want to fight, and he hasn't fought since, and he's just disappeared off the radar a bit. And now, because I've got a world title, he thinks he can just sort of shout my name on Twitter a couple of times, and copy and paste the same comment on a few Instagram posts and all of a sudden he's first in the queue I mean let's not forget the guy that I just beat the 13 years I'm beating beat him for this very title I've got next to me do you know what I mean he did
1: he he did. but you just sorry to interrupt you just used the perfect word there queue there was no there was no queue to fight you not that long ago and now there is one and that's, that's 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 the difference right there isn't it
2: yeah of course I mean I'm always ambitious and I always want to take the biggest one. So there's a lot of options now sort of behind me or maybe next to me. But now I'm the ring magazine number two and there's only one person in front of me. And, you know, I've never made it no secret that I wanted to fight Julio Cesar Martinez. And um, I see a little clip from Eddie the other day where he was asked about the fight. And he sort of spoke around the, the topic didn't mention my name again and then chipped off camera pretty quick. So I'm not too sure that it's a fight that that their side would be looking to make anytime soon, to be honest. Um, I don't know. We've not had no official anything. And, and um, that's the fight in the future i definitely look to be building towards, to be honest, because my intentions have always been the same. I want to be the man in the division. And whilst there's still probably more than half the people out there saying, uh, Martinez is the man, then,
0: then he's the person that I want. Do you know what I mean? I'm just thinking here, Sonny, it'd be nice if you got the fight against him, say, co-feature or on the card of a Canelo fight at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, 70,000 yeah. people. That'd be a massive box tick, wouldn't it? And you
2: see and you see why I want this fight, Matt. you know what I mean? This doesn't happen for flyweights. Like, I'll be real, there's a lot of times in fights we go in as a flyweight, you go and watch, I don't know, Kell Brook packed out Sheffield Arena loads of people video I and mean, you don't you never really see that too much as a lighter weight so you know I mean and and even though I'd be the the awake fighter going over there why not do you know what I mean it's like that's something that you, I could only ever really dream of I mean I know I'm not heavyweight where you sort of can knock a couple of people out live on TV and then all of a sudden you're selling thousands of tickets you know what I mean it's Flower, it's a lot harder to get the the credit and the accolades and the the excitement. So,
0: but you understand that, don't you? And that's why you said, in, you know, on our previous podcast, you said you've got to be pretty vocal. You've got to talk. You got to be on things. You got to, you know, sell yourself.
2: Of course, because consumers want to feel something. That's why I always say it. Like when you're investing in whatever you're investing in, like in your personal life, in in you want them to change your mood usually for something positive but people when they're consuming they want to feel something whether it's disgust or it's anger or it's they're laughing or they like something they want to f- their mood to change in some which way that's 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 what we live by do you know what i mean? as human beings so I know I have to put myself out there so people can sort of engage me interact with me and then by doing so they are investing more so than perhaps they would have. There probably was quite a lot of people that watched my fight maybe to see me get beat for one reason or another or thought, oh let me see how good he really is, thinking I was going to get beat. And then obviously now I've sort of shocked them in the way that I did. It's like I've sort of won over a lot of people because they weren't invested. And now maybe they're impressed, you know what I mean, rather than just seeing the negatives and what I haven't done. Because now it's kind of hard to make the arguments like they used to.
0: I think when people talk the talk, people want to see, can they walk the walk? And you stepped up to the plate and delivered. And I think anyone, whether, whether they were a fan or not, liked you or didn't, they'll think, mm, credit where credit's due, fair play, he did it. So I, I, I think that's the way it works as well.
2: Yeah, because I never think I'm too out there, but just obviously sometimes, um, I always have, I have to have the last say, but that's just a part of my character, my human being. I mean, <laughs> I've always
0: got to have the last say.
2: It's just... It's the way I am. so Yeah, but I like, like, when it comes to the, the gentleman side of things, I like to think I show a lot of respect and hum, like humility because that's how I feel like I was raised and that's the person I am, you know. Obviously, when someone sort of pokes my, my buttons and now I can respond and feel like I've got the, the right to do so, I don't mind sort of taking it out of perhaps where I would like to be. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah, I would like to say that I was you know, raised as a a person to show respect and honour for the sport. And that's why I feel like I am so vocal about things being fair, not wanting no slight disadvantages, advantages. I just want everyone to have the same level playing field and then everyone gets the right opportunity. And then when you win, it's that much sweeter when you deserve it, when you've earned it. And like, say, for example, there was any reason why I didn't deserve to beat Maruti and I sneaked through somehow, which way... um, and this belt arrived today. Do you not think there'd be a very bitter taste to that? Like, I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't want it. I'd be the first person saying that I'd come and get it back. Do you know what I mean? It's Unless you've earned it, you can't... I, I couldn't be happy. And then now I know I've earned that for the rest of my life. It's something I can be proud of.
0: Well, you certainly earned it. No one can take that
1: away. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's whenever anybody wins any title... I've said this a few times after after fights and I, I, I'll use it sparingly because I don't want to wear it too thin. But as soon as you're crowned the new champion, whether it's at area level, English, British, European, Commonwealth, world champion, you're a champion from that point on for the rest of your life. There will never be another day in your life where that isn't true. There will never be another day in your life when it is not true that you won the IBF World Flyweight title. That's just how that goes. And, and that must feel great. Um, with regard to that fight against Martinez, I love that. And I know what Eddie said. I saw that clip as well. He said, well, he's going to fight again in July in Mexico. And then he's, you know, he's 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 outgrowing the weight, basically was what he said. But there's such a good story that you can wrap around that fight because obviously he boxed Charlie and he's a very aggressive fighter. He's really good to watch. It would be another bull against a matador. Exactly that kind of setup. And you could you can build that. you can build Martinez as this Mexican wrecking machine who deliberately and savagely hit his brother late in at the O2 and the fight ended in disgrace and Mauricio Sullivan had to get involved and it was all going off because that is what happened. Yeah. Um
0: great right narrative there, Andy. yeah, right there's something you could do something
1: with that, can't you? Surely <laughs> pre written backstory there. Exactly, exactly. But that's what boxing is. Like, like, like we've been saying. You know, you need that. You need that. That that kind of ready-made rivalry is is there. You know, it's, it's ready to it's ready to go. Um. So, how have things been on the sort of more? I, I, I don't know. Like, everyday side, business side. Have you had people um, approaching you wanting to? I hope you have wanting to do deals, get get involved with you now that you've you've got that belt.
2: Um yeah I've had a couple of conversations um things I'm considering but I'm just not in a rush to jump into anything too soon um I feel like I'm I've got got such good support around me and I'm already in such a great position I need to plan all my moves you know meticulously like I have been the whole way up to the no point getting to the top and sort of snatching everything that comes to you and sort of spreading yourself thin um but yeah, there's a few people. My day-to-day, to be honest, has just been very normal. I've had my kids a hell of a lot. I don't know if anyone has been sort of locked in on my social medias. I pretty much spend most days with them um, when I'm not in camp. But that's what I enjoy doing, do you know what I mean? Um, watching them grow. So I think the day I got back, the next day, I had, um, I was running around with Chance on a, a under-four football practice. Do you know what I mean? With all the dads chasing our kids around and not listening to us, so yeah, I, my life pretty much carried on completely normally to what it was before. I've been doing the exact same things. I think when you when you are a family man, that's usually how it goes. You just got
1: to get to what you are doing before. So let's let's. Um... Let's just have a quick word about the about the bill we saw on the weekend, because you'll have had a real keen interest in that. And Dalton Smith's fight was, was one of mine uh, that I covered with Barry Jones. And I think there's a good chance that he's going to be another world champion to come out of that gym. Early days might sound like overly big talk and putting a bit too much pressure on him, but he looks like he's got what you need and you see him all the time. You see him day in, day out. Uh, you'll see him in the gym, at the track, everywhere. Uh, is that fair, do you think? Oh, how good did he look, though? Best He's Really good, yeah. His credit. I, I,
2: I, I'm a very critical, especially of people I care about. And there's often things that I'm always saying to Dalton in our gym, in our private conversations. But that fight, he boxed to absolute perfection, I think. I can't really remember a single... Clean shot that he took. To be honest, he was he was almost punch perfect. I didn't really see him doing anything wrong. He looked powerful. He looked strong. He looked composed. It was a very mature performance against a se- a seasoned fighter in his own right.ly After yard. he's been in some good fights, and he usually dragged people to the trenches. You know, I've I've been at a couple of his fights up at the Steffi Ball shows in Doncaster, and he's always in some real good tear ups. Um, to be fair to him, but Dalton is just he. He's definitely a world level talent, without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt. And like you said, I genuinely believe he will become a, a world champion. He just when his times his time when he, when the time's right, and he's doing everything he needs to at this stage of his career. Just keep maturing, keep learning, keep listening to Grant. Always getting in some great rounds of sparring as well, just bringing him on leaps and bounds. Yeah, I think he's going to take over the world because he. He had some people, I know everyone likes doing the hyperbole, they like uh, attaching a, a fighter, you know, but he has people saying he reminded him of like a Canelo type and that's a fighter that he styles and and, and looks to, do you know what I mean, a big fan of his. Um, and I wouldn't say they're completely wrong, to be honest. He's got them very, very relaxed poise, very good lateral movement, and he counters with big, powerful shots, you know what I mean? And That fight, he blew me away, to be honest, because... He showed what he's been doing in the gym, but then even more so on the occasion, and that's always a great thing to see. Do you know what I mean? Do you know when they really do step it up on, on fight night, rather than having the little, uh, you know, the little head shape because it's on a big event, a big stage, you're on TV, title fight, first ten rounder. He just blew it out of the water, to be honest, and I couldn't be more proud for him. He's also my my new newest son's uh, godfather, so shout out to Dalton.
1: Matt, what did you make of it? Because we, we've we covered him a, a few times and he is just getting better and better. And you look at the way his career has gone. He turned pro maybe earlier than people thought he might. There were a combination of reasons. Uh, he had a few hand problems in the amateurs and you got kind of standard hand wraps in the amateurs and that wasn't great for him. But also 64 kilos got shaved to 63 which was hard for him because holding sixty four over the course of a tournament wasn't straightforward, and you take another two pounds off that, and that just kind of tipped him over the edge. But he got a load of good experience on that GB setup. I saw him in the WSB finals in Uzbekistan. I think it was his first fight as a senior, certainly his first WSB fight, and and he was with to Toledo, who's like this much medaled supersonic Cuban, and he gave him a, who knocked Pat McCormack out of the Olympics a few weeks later in in, in his first fight. Uh, and he gave him a good, good fight. Um, so he got that done quite quick, and then still managed to turn over really young. So that's kind of—I mean, the ingredients are all there, aren't they? Yeah.
0: Look, there's definitely. I mean, he's young. There's—he's in a hard weight division. He's a long way off. A long, long way to go. But he's certainly—he's certainly looking the part so far. He's going about his business right. He's—you he's, can see—he's already settled into a, a professional fighter. You know, the amateur style, that's gone, you know, whatever. Maybe he was always going to be made for the pros. I think I think that probably is the case. That's why he's transitioned so quickly and so smoothly. You know, his dad training him, Sonny, Charlie in the gym, you know, they're all eating, sleeping, breathing, boxing every minute of every single day. Success breeds success that way. Um, I've been impressed. Like I say, long way to go. Many, many levels from him to go. But where he is, eight, nine fights, He's absolutely on track and uh, I, like you I say, I think Sonny said it there, it was pretty much a punch perfect display, great shot selection, great repertoire, uh, paces it well, you know, he um, mixes things up, head and body, good jab, you know, faints the jab, lead left hook, you can see he's a Canelo fan for his shot selection, that lead left hook that he throws, the faint the jab left hook, but yeah, uh, you know, he's one of them. You don't want to get ahead of yourself. You don't want to put pressure on the kid. But he's definitely moving at the right pace, and, he, and he's he's impressed every single time he fights. People are impressed by him. And what more can you do?
1: Absolutely. So there's there's just a couple more we'll we'll touch on. Tommy McCarthy had a had a pretty regulation defense of his European title. Good uh, good performance. Lorraine Richards won every round against Giovanni De Carolis. I enjoyed watching that. The standout fight, though, was Jason Cunningham against Yafai. Um Cunningham we've seen quite a bit of. Good technical fighter. Um, I always thought that he was worth more in terms of what he'd won than what he'd managed to win. And, and he had won two Commonwealth titles at, at different weights. But that was just... I mean, it was an unbelievable fight, really, because Cunningham boxed superbly, got those three knockdowns, but Yafai just... I don't know where he got it from to go 12 rounds, to be honest. I don't know how he did it because he just looked out on his feet so many times. But it, it, was, kind of, it was a feel-good story, wasn't it, Sonny? Because you might know Jason a little bit. I don't know. He's from, he's from around your way, obviously. But he's got that great tattoo. What was it? The underdog who never gave up. And um, as much as you feel for your five, because that's a setback, you see someone like Cunningham win and you just think, in a way, this is what sport is about. That, that you get these away corner wins three weeks notice not supposed to get the victory this is this is why we love it
2: yeah do you know what I love the underdog I mean unless I know someone I like someone personally or I'm a fan of their boxing typically I like the underdog doing well I don't know what it built in me um I feel like that's generally British public though isn't it to be honest I feel like we all like the underdog story um but when that fight got announced, I always thought that was going to be a tricky fight for Gamal, just because I looked a lot at the, um, the McDonald fight and I thought I can, I can see it different, but I can see like a similar pattern emerging. But one thing I do think is I think Gamal might've sort of been guilty of what we was talking about earlier. you know, when you sort of overlooking and over, over underestimating someone a little bit because the way he set his sort of his post in the fight, he sort of thought he could genuinely just walk straight through him and, and bully him. And when it weren't working, he was still trying to. And to, to be fair to his testament, he did get through them. So we got dropped, what was it, the second, or the fourth and the sixth, or something, something like that. Um, But he was still going and he was still going. And even when he was switching off and leaving his chin in the air, that's when he was typically getting caught, when he was working and then he was he was being ignorant to what was coming directly back. Like, he was just sort of switching off that split too long and like he weren't going to get hurt. And I think that was a, that was probably the biggest reason of his undoing. But as the rounds come on, I did start thinking that Gamal was coming back into it. And I started half rooting for Gamal near the end. I think I even tweeted it, I think, because he showed so much heart and so much determination from that point. Because a lot of fighters, they would have, you know, it, it was a very dark, like, it was a dark place to have to come back from and it did get to the point where it was like the end of the fight is Cunningham going to last and I think the last two rounds he did make it look a little bit easier than perhaps a ninth and tenth but um, yeah it was a great performance from Cunningham and Gamal showed that he still got a lot I mean I see some people saying stuff like oh well where did he go from here and I think there's still a, a a whole lot of good fights for him. A whole a whole lot of good fights. He's a good fighter, Gamal. I just think his tactics weren't spot on, and maybe should have been a bit more patient before he was six rounds and three knockdowns down. Do you know what I mean? And had a lot more than he ever expected to have to do.
1: Well, did you make of it, Matt? You you know he's a he's a Birmingham fighter. You know you know him. You know Spencer really well. Who was who was in the corner? So it might have been a slightly tough watch for you, but you obviously would have appreciated the the kind of glory of the Cunningham story.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was bittersweet. I mean, bitter, and I was gutted in the sense that I was gutted for Gamal, because I know him personally, and Spencer as well, obviously. But, you know, I don't know Jason Cunningham, but I, I, as Sonny said there, you, you know, everyone loves an underdog story. And You know, for him to uh, to put on the performance he did at, at three weeks' notice was fantastic. Um, it was a funny one because, listen, Sonny will know this, as with you, Andy, you know, in boxing, people are quick to write us off, man. As fighters, people are quick to write you off. You're literally as good as your last fight, and that's it. And had a bad performance, and you are written off. And, you know, Gamal, I think Gamal's history of where he was coming back from the Gavin McDonald defeat will, you know, he he only has to look back on that and see where he came to become European champion. He's just got to do that again. You don't become a bad fighter overnight. And by the way, I agree with Sonny. I think probably there was an element of complacency there from Gamal towards Jason Conningham. He'd been beaten a few times and probably thought, yeah, it's a routine defence. I, You know, I should go through him. But he was just light, Sonny. He had blisters on his feet. He wasn't there. He didn't stand in front of Gamal and he kept catching him with those straight lefts down the middle and the uppercuts. It was like, Gamal, I was getting frustrated screaming to tell him, you, move your heads. He was just walking forward like he had no respect for Conningham's power because he wasn't a puncher. But, His timing and his accuracy was spot on and Gamal was walking onto the shots. That's what caused the knockdown. I don't think he was particularly hurt by those knockdowns, but there was still a 10-8 round. And, you know, after six rounds, he'd absolutely given himself a mountain to climb. But you know what? He nearly fucking climbed it. (laughs) In the the 10th round there, I thought he was going to get to him. He He had Cunningham hurt and I thought he was going to get to him. You know, It wasn't the case, but uh, listen, that's certainly not the end of the road for Gamal. I, I think he did underperform. I think Jason Colligan boxed out of his skin, but yeah. I think Gamal can do better. I think he's just got to look back at himself and, and take the positives from that uh, defeat. The grit and the heart, and determination that he showed, and also look at the mistakes he made. Was he complacent? Didn't move his head. Was looking for the left hook too much instead of maybe jabbing his way in, closing the distance. He was starting from too far out. He just tried to walk through him, and he you can't do that. You know, Jason Cunningham was too clever. He wasn't. He wasn't allowed that to happen. So, it was. Uh, it, well, listen, from a, from a fan's point of view, watching it, what a fight! Yeah, it was. Def-
1: yeah, it was great. It was great watching the post-fight interview as well. He's uh, he's good. Fun. Jason Cunningham, Steph Bull, and, uh, and Ray Doyle as well. It's you know they're saying they've had a world champion, Terry Harper, Maxie Hughes, British champion, Jason Cunningham, European. It's 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 great to see. So we'll just finish with a quick quick bit of buatsi because we all expected him to beat Daniel dos Santos. It wasn't a very inspiring. Match. It won't have been for lack of trying on, on behalf of the matchmakers. It's not easy to get people to fight Buatzi And he finished it with a savage knockout. And Desantis's back was, was to me as I was watching it from the stage. So I didn't see the punch really land. But what I did see was a fighter's, body, was a fighter's body right in front of me, just go limp like someone had turned him off. Uh, and then he went down to the canvas and he got just caught one more time on the way down. And I just thought, wow. Um, and then the medics came in and uh, thankfully he was he was OK. Sonny, what do they do with Boatsy now? Because they've been looking to try and get this kind of like interim bridging, gut check, chin check, kind of everything check fight for him for a while. And it just hasn't really proved possible. So do you now just think, OK, well, can we just throw him in? They've got Bivol, obviously. I was thinking, badly, Jack and John Pascal fight in a couple of weeks on that Mayweather Logan Paul card. The winner of that would be great because they're names, they're real good fighters, but they're not quite what they were. I mean, where would you you do? Do you throw him in? That's that's. I guess that's my my question. Or do you really have to look for that that interim step?
2: I know that wasn't the the most, you know inspiring matchmaking it wasn't but he was an unknown quantity unbeaten so he did have his own aspire to win you could you could see levels but one thing Boetsy definitely did is remind us how dangerous boxing is and I mean he when you can hit that hard like he's a serious serious threat to the world level of boxing I mean he really does hit you know what I mean and I think he has had a few decent little gut checks on the way through. Um, was it a Croatian kid that was a good... Amateur? challenge?
1: Yeah. Cialic. Gave him challenge. a good...
2: Then was it Ford as well? Ford?
1: Yeah, that... that was a decent
2: fight. Good fight as well, um, which he came through. I know he was complaining about it being low, but I don't know about all of that. But um, I think he's... I personally would like to see him, you know, um, jump up to, to, to the big names. I mean, we've seen Bivol now. I mean... He didn't look um, out of this world against Craig Richards, let's be fair. Craig um, had a good fight, a um, couple of rounds in the scorecards as well. And yeah, you could tell that Bivol was sort of in control throughout the fight. But surely that would give Boazzi a hell of a lot of confidence. I, I would if if, if if that was me. And that's the fight, something like that um, would, would be the, the route to go, I think it just depends where his management and then um, where Eddie, their, their, their plans are taking him because he's clearly showing really that every, every fight he's, he's he's ticking the boxes. He's doing what he needs to do and he's looking impressive doing it for, for pretty much the most part. I know people get caught up in the, the flawless, flawless performances, but even when he has had the the little bit of always um, oh, humans, you know, when he had like his eye and, and then um, when they had a couple of tougher rounds, but that's what gives you the learning and the experience to get through those. You need the opponents that can be tricky for a period of time because you need that. Otherwise, if you've had it all your own way, every single round of every single fight you've had to 20, and oh, you've not learned anything from them. So you need to take the positives from them. And I think, honestly, Boatsy is world level now. I mean, his Olympic uh, background, his bronze medal play plays, Um, credibility for that and I just think he's he's ready to go me personally I mean I think Croydon's developing a whole lot of talent at the moment to be honest and Boatsy is one of the best of us and and he's such a nice person as well so how could you not get behind and want him to do well I, I don't understand anyone that can dislike Boatsy
1: so, Matt, what do you reckon if you were managing... It makes a really good point there, Sonny, actually. And Barry said this on Saturday, which is that people ask for tests and then when someone is given a test, like he was against Challenge, and they're not then performing perfectly, everybody seems disappointed. It's it's weird. But you're so you're managing Boatsi. let's say. What are you thinking about
0: what you would do with him next? Well, well, first of all, what you're saying is spot on and everything Sonny said is spot on. It's... um, I'll... I, I, if I was managing for and the Bivol fight was offered next or the Joe Smith, depending on everything, the money and all the rest of it, it made sense, I, I would probably take it. Cause I think he beats both now. Push comes to shove. That said in an ideal world, I hope it wasn't offered next because <laughs> I think I'd like another couple of fights to have to, to work with a uh, Virgil Hunter as well. Cause you know, when you change trainer, it takes a couple of fights to, to really, you know, build that, that relationship. Uh, I'd love to see him fight Sullivan Barrera. That's a fight I'd love to see, you know, that type of fight. An experienced campaigner, or, or, or as you said, the winner of Bodo Jack and... Uh, Pascal. Um, Pascal, you know, that, that's a great fight as well. But one of those would be the ideal move next.
1: Yeah, I think we're all just waiting to see. And and as you say, that's only one fight with with Virgil Hunter. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really get to speak to him during the week. So I don't really know how it is for him living over in, in the US and whether he's going to go and live there full time outside of training camp and things like that, because I think you probably have to, don't you, if you're going to get the, if you're going to get the most most out of that, You've I mean, you've, you've done it.
0: Yeah, look, if you're going to really give it your all and you're going to really build that relationship then and you're going to live work on things in between fights, that is what you need to do. Or you're only going over there for six weeks before and you're just peeking, you're going through the sparring and the, you know the training, the camp part. But if you want to stay in the gym, you want to work on technique and tactics and get to know each other and get on the same page, then I think really he probably needs to move there pretty much full time for a couple of years at least.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with that because you see fighters that just come for them eight, six, eight, ten weeks. They're never really learning, though we're near as much as the fighters that are. Even when they're out of camp, they're enjoying themselves, eating what they want, whatever, going out nights so out. If they're coming back in the gym and learning and absorbing, even if they're not getting one-to-one time like we do with an eight- and ten-week camp, just being in the gym, watching other people, being sort of involved and in, in, in the centre of the sport, you're constantly absorbing, you're going to, learn something every day I know it sounds cliche but if you're really watching even watching kids spar, watching adult spa, and if you can process the information what you're getting from from a boxing gym every single day you're looking at flaws and because and, and, boxing is so complex and unpredictable and there's a right way to do it but then there's no wrong way to do it at the same time do you know what I mean it's there is it's, there's a never-ending learning like uh opportunity in boxing i genuinely believe that And a lot of fighters once they've got to the stage of all right i'm going to start basing somewhere six or eight weeks that's for me when they sort of lost the eye of the tiger if, if i'm honest and i know a lot of fighters probably won't like hearing that but for me it's when okay you understand that your outside life of boxing is cemented and is as important as where you're going to train where when you're sort of engulfed you've got to be 10 minutes gym so you can go there 10 minutes no matter what there's but like grant could bring me tomorrow sparring i can go do you know what i mean i'm there i'm in the gym ready to learn even if i don't fight for another five six months I'm. and i think that's usually what separates a lot of fighters the ones that are willing to give that short career a hundred percent and be there a hundred percent of the time and be around because when you break up two three fights maybe in, in a year but you're only spending six or eight weeks time there in a row that's what 16 18 weeks of uh, 52 weeks what's that compared to 48 weeks in the gym where you trainer? training even when you're not proper training or proper doing pads or even if you just go into the gym and hitting the bags that he's there and there's there's,
0: there's it, it, it. even if you're not hitting the bags even if you're just watching a spa
2: yeah there's this learning because i know with me every time i watch i try and I can appreciate that, yeah, someone might be much lower level than me. They might, in in my eyes, they might be an amateur that's 50-50 record, 10 and 10. But there might be something he's doing that's working so well for him against a fighter that perhaps should be doing his head in a little, but he's doing a little trick or a little move, and all of a sudden that's something I'm trying. It's not – you don't only get inspiration from looking above. It's, it's all around, especially in, in a sport like boxing where – it's so much evolving and changing and developing and what's working now weren't working 10 years ago, but it's so consistently the same at the same time. It's like you need to have your eyes open and your sort of third eye and gather as much sort of intelligence as you can because too many people, they look at boxing surface level, I hit you, you hit me, and they don't take it any deeper than that. And they wonder why their, their results aren't reaching
0: further than that. It's like I've said to you, Andy before many times, going away to Los Angeles or San Francisco, wherever, and you're training camp for six to eight weeks or whatever it is, 10 weeks, you know, you're most likely going to be staying in some budget accommodation. You're going to be just, I oh, had. don't get me wrong, There's I had a tiger and you're totally focused on the training. That's great. But you're going to be lonely. You're going to feel fed up, blah, blah, blah. It's unsustainable. So you're not going to live the life in between. You're not. You're only going to go back to San Francisco or Los Angeles or wherever it is when you've got a fight date. Which so then you're only training for fights. You need to be training. You need to live the life in between fights. And when you say live the life, that doesn't mean you have to be bang on your way. It doesn't mean you can't go out and enjoy a night. But you you do want to be back in the gym. Maybe not five days a week, but definitely four. You know what I mean? You want to be in there. You want to be with your trainer. You want to be talking about boxing. You want to be doing the pads or the bags, or maybe you're not getting that one-to-one, but you're watching spars. And you're talking about the other guys that are sparring with your trainer. It's constant information that's constantly going in like a sponge, absorbing it all. That That's crucial. You know, so I hope Bawatsi does kind of move his life over there for the next year or two or three or whatever it is while he take, while he builds that relationship and gets to that place. I mean, if he's only going to do it sort of five, six, seven weeks per fight when he has a date, then I think he's, you know, I'm not going to say there's going to be no benefits to it, but it'll be, he's putting limitations on it.
1: Okay, well, that's a good place. That's a good place to leave it, I think. Um So, Sonny, thanks. Thanks for sparing your time again. It's great to catch up. We we, we thought we definitely had to do this because... um as I say this is the this is the first time that we we we're, 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 we're claiming it we're claiming it this is the first kind of Macklin's take World champion because you weren't one before you came on Macklin's take and now you are it's not a coincidence it can't be a coincidence um and I did hear uh I did hear I think it was from you on your social media that you might be you might be looking to get onto the onto the podcast train yourself any any further plans on that
2: yeah, I'm just sort of waiting to sit down and have some more more meetings about it. To be honest, but it's something I would be interested in doing. I love talking and talking about boxing. So, and I've and being involved in the sport, you get quite a few good friendships and connections. So I feel like I'd be able to have interesting conversations. With a few interesting people. I think it'd be good.
1: Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I think it would too. Absolutely, there aren't that many active fighters doing doing podcasts. Um, they go on them, but but I can't
0: think of. Well, if it doesn't work out, Andy, we can get him on as our, uh, I don't know, honorary resident guest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be more than happy to do that. More than happy to do that. Um, well, we'll look out for that and we'll look out for what what is what is next for you. Um, I think you're probably quite keen to get back out there sooner rather rather than later. Now you've got this target on your back. Let's just let's just have a look at the belt. Just just hold up the belt. This isn't great for people just listening on audio, but he's got that red IBF. Let's see now, that...
2: It looks nice, doesn't
1: it? It looks great. Fantastic. It really does look good. Really yeah. does look good. That's just yeah. un- un- unexpectedly heavy, those belts. Unexpectedly and heavy.
2: After for a flyweight as well, after twelve rounds, it's then you've got to start lifting up, it's always hard. I've dropped a couple of belts me before.
1: Not this <laughs> no chance. Okay, cool. Well we'll leave it there. Thanks very much, Matt. Thanks uh, for your time as always. We'll probably be back with a bit of YouTube later in the week because we believe that this week there will be an official announcement on the on the fight between Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. We seem to pretty much know now that it's August the 14th in Saudi Arabia. And to be honest with you, I'm not really sure how much the pair of us could say about it. But if there is actually an official announcement, then we'll then we'll we'll do something on that. Just keep our eye out as usual on, on what else is going on. And we will catch you all again soon.
0: Babe, not that Maggie Back in town I said, Jenny Diver Whoa, taught me. Look out to Miss Lottie Lynn. And old Lucy Brown Yes, that line falls On the right, babe Not that Maggie
1: Podcast Network.